Well, good morning. It is good to be back with you today. I know, like, changing up Sunday morning is a big deal, and we did a major change last Sunday, and I just want to say thank you. Thank you to each and every one of you who showed up, who served our community, who went out to our different mission partners and gave of your time and your energy and all of your efforts. So thank you so much for that. And uh, we are just, it's so exciting to see us getting outside of this building and connecting with our community. And that's what this this kind of month of October, for the most part, is going to be about. How do we love our community? How do we connect people to Jesus? And so last week we did that by going out and loving on our neighborhood, loving on the people closest to us. This week on your way out, or maybe you stopped on your way in, you noticed we're highlighting almost all of our global mission partners out in the lobby this morning. And so if you didn't stop at one of those tables, stop on your way out and look at the ways God is using you and this church to bless people all over the world. And in honor of that, we're actually have one of our mission partners here who's going to share with us this morning. We have John Roki from Peoria Rescue Ministries who is going to come up and share God's word with you. So would you please give him a warm Great Oaks welcome. Thank you, brother. Appreciate it. Well, good morning, Great Oaks Church. Thank you for uh, having Jolene and I come and join you, get to celebrate and worship with you. Uh, what a privilege it was to uh, spend time worshiping with you, fellowshipping with you, and thank you for just uh, the privilege of sharing with you this morning. I count it as a great pri privilege. I want to also thank you for your partnership at Peoria Rescue Ministries. I want to echo what Paul said to the Philippians in Philippians 1.3. Every time we think of you, we give thanks to our God. Whenever we pray, we make our requests for you all with joy. For you have been our partners in spreading the good news about Christ from the first time you have heard it until now. So thank you. Thank you for your partnership with Peoria Rescue Ministries. Over the past year, because of your partnership, we have been able to provide compassionate crisis care to more than a thousand men and women who have come through our doors. Even more, we have seen hundreds of those uh, gain employment and permanent housing. And praise the Lord, even many of those, many of those have come to be transformed by the gospel and are moving from poverty to progress. So, Thank you. Thank you for your partnership in that. And finally this morning, thank you for your interest in and commitment to the calling that is reflected in your theme passage, Acts chapter 1, verses 6 through 11, that you've been engaged in in these weeks and will culminate, I believe, next week. And as a leader of a local ministry of mercy, I am so encouraged by that. And I want to, this morning, I, I don't want this to all be about Peoria Rescue Ministries. In fact, what I want us to do is, is look at God's Word together at this call to be witnesses. Along the way, I'll share how Peoria Rescue Ministries kind of works that out and how that is working there, but let's do this together. So if that sounds like a plan, let's, uh, let's pray. Father, as we come to your Word... We ask that you will give us ears to hear, hearts to listen and understand. We know that far more important than what we think 
is what you have said in your word. And so help us to listen uh, this morning to what you would have to say to us. And we thank you for all of that in that precious holy name that we sang about, Jesus. Amen. Okay, if you uh, want to turn in your copy of God's Word, we're going to look at Acts chapter 1. Now, we're likely familiar with the context of this. Uh, Dr. Luke is writing his second book about Jesus and his impact on the world, and he's picking up the story right after Jesus' death and resurrection. And here in our passage, he's going to describe Jesus' departure from earth And his call to his disciples and to us to be witnesses. So let's read Acts 1, 6 through 11. So when the apostles were with Jesus, they kept asking him, Lord, has the time come for you to free Israel and restore our kingdom? And he replied, the Father alone has the authority to set those dates and times, and they are not for you to know. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere. In Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. After saying this, he was taken up into a cloud while they were watching. And they could no longer see him. As they strained to see him rising into heaven, two white-robed men suddenly stood among them. Men of Galilee, they said, why are you standing here staring into heaven? Jesus has been taken from you into heaven, but someday he will return from heaven in the same way you saw him go. Now, you just got to kind of love that question that the disciples asked in verse 6. How, how really what they wanted to do is skip all the work and the witness part and get right to the party. Just straight to the party of God's kingdom. Is it now, Jesus, that you're going to restore the kingdom to Israel and we get to enjoy the blessings? Is that what you're going to do? Because that's what we hope you're going to do. The disciples wanted to enjoy the blessings and the benefits of the kingdom versus building the kind of kingdom that Jesus wanted them to build. And I don't know about you, but I've been there. I can easily get there. I love my family. I love my kids and grandkids. And I love all the blessings that God has given me in this life. And I sometimes want to just enjoy those things more than, or at least instead of maybe, being a witness for him and building his kingdom. And Jesus himself faced this temptation a couple of times. Once with the devil in the wilderness and again in the garden. It was framed like this. Is there a way to get the gain without the pain? Can we achieve the blessing of redemption without the cost of the cross? That was the temptation that Jesus faced. And thankfully, he didn't yield to that. But for our sake and for As the writer of Hebrews says, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross. And so, because I think Jesus can sympathize with the apostles and their question and and our desires, he gently reminds them in verses 7 and 8, no, (laughs) no, not yet. 
Not yet is the time for no more pain, no more tears, for streets of gold or life of comfort. Not yet. No, we are to be his witnesses here, there, and everywhere. And instead of enjoying the full benefits of the kingdom here, we are to be about building the kingdom here and now. And so we are to be his witnesses. And of course, this passage is simply an echo of other post-resurrection passages from like John 20 and Matthew 28, where Jesus is sending us and he is commissioning us to be disciple makers, to be his witnesses through the power of the Holy Spirit. And so being a witness is not just one option of our lives, and it's not even optional, it is what we are to be about It's why we have Great Oaks Church. It's why we have Peoria Rescue Ministries, communities and ministries where we can be about witnessing for Jesus. And so like the disciples, we can't escape this call. In fact, (laughs) I love it. At the very end of our passage in verses 10 through 11, just to make sure that the disciples understand what was said earlier, Um, two angels come and stand beside him. And here they are, their disciples, they are straining for that last glimpse. They are looking, they're longing for that, for him. And and the angels are like, "Uh, what are you doing? Let's get going. Let's get going. Let's, Let's go. Go be witnesses. And so this morning, what I'd like us to do is just consider three questions as it relates to being his witnesses. Since we are to be his witnesses, that's clear. So let's look at three questions. Why are we called to be witnesses? What are we called to witness about or to? And how can we be effective witnesses? So why, why are we to witness? What are we witnessing to and about? And how can we be effective? How can we do that best? Now, we get a a clue to the answer of why we are called to be witnesses from the very beginning of John's gospel, where he tells us about who Jesus is. You remember John starts with, in the beginning was the Word. And then in verse 4, John writes that the Word, or as we know, Jesus, gave life to everything that was created, and his life brought light to everyone. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness can never extinguish it. John goes on. He says, God sent a man, John the Baptist, to tell about the light so that everyone might believe because of his testimony. John himself was not the light. He was simply a witness to tell about the light. So there it is. There's our answer. Why are we called to be a witness? Or maybe, why do we need to be a witness? Because our world is a dark place and it desperately needs the light of Jesus. Now, of course, over this week, we have learned of the horrors um, across the world and that has shockingly reminded us that there is deep darkness in this world, this world that is broken by sin and evil. And while those images of evil and brokenness from across the world are horrific, The darkness and the brokenness of this world is here in our community as well. At Peoria Rescue Ministries, we routinely see the ravages of abuse, addiction, abandonment, 
the, the brokenness and shattered, of shattered lives. You may not know this, but homelessness in Peoria has more than doubled in the last two years. And we are serving more men and women than we ever have in the history of our ministry. And so there is great darkness in the farthest corners of the world. And there's darkness in our community, but there's even more darkness, more brokenness than that. At PRM, our mission is to create pathways out of poverty through Jesus with our neighbors in need. And that mission is built on an understanding of poverty that might surprise someone here. You see, we don't view poverty as just a lack of material things, just not enough money, not, not a home, not, not even enough food. We believe poverty is the brokenness that we experience in the four fundamental relationships of life. Our relationship first and foremost with God, our relationship with ourself, our relationship with others, and our relationship with the rest of creation or work. Now, if we're honest out here today, we have all experienced brokenness within those relationships. And so the truth is we are all poor. We are all broken. The darkness is inside of us too. And we need the light. We need the light of Jesus to expose the darkness and to heal our brokenness. And this is what the prophet Isaiah was pointing to in chapter 9 when he said, the people who walk in darkness will see a great light. For those who live in a land of deep darkness, a light will shine. And then Isaiah goes on to say that this light is Jesus. He describes it this way. A child will be born, a son will be given, and he names him Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. So why do we need to be his witnesses? We need to bring the light of Jesus into the darkness and brokenness of our lives of our families, of our communities, and into the whole world. The world is a dark place. And we need, we must witness to the light of the world. So if, if that's why we need to witness, what are we witnessing to or about? Now the dictionary defines a witness as someone who has personally seen an event or uh, something that has happened. They have a personal experience or observation of an event. And notice both the personal and the sort of past tense nature of that term. It is a personal experience and it describes something that has happened. Now that's critical to our understanding of the gospel. And here's what's so important about that. The gospel is good news. It is not good advice. <laughs> the gospel is not it is good news. It is not good advice. You see, every other religion in the world is good advice about how to seek and to find God and to live for Him, but not so for Christianity. The gospel is not advice. It's news. It's happened. The gospel is not good advice on how to seek and find God. It's the good news that God came to seek and find us. And that changes everything. 
And the great news that we get to share at Peoria Rescue Ministries is not that just Jesus came, but that he came especially for the poor and the oppressed. Not for those who have it all together or think they have it all together. He said so when he began his ministry. I have come to bring good news to the poor and set the captives free. And Jesus' heart was drawn to the sinner and the sufferer. We've seen it. He hung out with the wrong crowd. He made it a point to go and meet and talk with the woman at the well. He specifically stopped under the tree that Zacchaeus, the notorious sinner, the text says, had climbed up to see him. And why? Why did he do that? He tells us. When he talks to Zacchaeus, he says, For the Son of Man came to seek and save those who are lost. That's what we get to witness about. That's why in our singing we should climb to the highest mountain. We should shout it out because this is news. (laughs) This is great news that the God of the universe loves us even though we don't deserve it. That he loves us so much that he sent his son so that whoever believes in him won't perish but will have eternal life. We are witnesses to that news. We are witnesses that he came for us Broken though we were, though we are, to seek and save us. It's news. It's happened. That light of the world that Isaiah had promised would come, he's came. He, he came, and he came to seek and to save us. And at Peoria Rescue Ministries, we talk a lot about being gospel-centered. In fact, it's one of our core values that our team, we say we want to be passionately gospel-centered. And so that's what we do At Peoria Rescue Ministries, we witness to this good news in every aspect of our ministry, whether it's in our counseling, whether it's in our life skills or work readiness classes, uh, whether it's feeding or sheltering, it's about witnessing to this good news. In fact, it's why we are only privately funded. We don't want anything to get in the way of witnessing about Jesus. And so at Peoria Rescue Ministries, we say we want everyone that comes in contact to us to to have three things about the gospel. We want them to see the gospel, feel the gospel, and hear the gospel. We want them to see it in our interactions with each other as staff, as we uh, prefer one another, as we forgive one another, as we are kind to one another. We want them to feel the gospel and the unconditional love and service that we are willing to provide and that we will provide. And then we want them to hear. We want them to hear this good news that Jesus has come. He's come. And he's come for us. That he lived a life that we never could. That he died the death that we deserved all so that we could have a life we could never imagine. That's what we get to witness about. And of course, remember, in our definition, to be a witness, you have to personally see and experience the event. And so, have you? Have you? Have you responded to this incredible news that God loves you and did something about it? Have you responded to him with love and trust of Jesus? Finally, how do we answer the question, How can we be an effective witness? We know why we are to be witnesses. We are to bring the light of Jesus into this dark and broken world. And we know what we are to witness about this incredible news that he has come to do something about that brokenness. 
He has come to seek and save us, but how do we do it best? How, how can we most effectively be a witness for Jesus? And for that answer, we need to turn back just a few pages to John's Gospel and look at another of the sending passages. In John chapter 20, verses 19 to 23, we find this incredible story of, of Jesus' first appearance to the disciples after his resurrection. And so let's read that. Let's hear about that. That Sunday evening, the disciples were meeting behind locked doors because they were afraid of the Jewish leaders. So here they are. They, their dreams have been dashed. They think their leader of what is going to change the world is done and gone, and they are frightened and despondent. They are disappointed. Suddenly, Jesus was standing there among them. Peace be with you, he said. As he spoke, he showed them the wounds in his hands and his side. They were filled with joy when they saw the Lord. And again, he said, peace be with you. As the Father sent me, as the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. Then he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. And in this amazing encounter where Jesus incredibly meets them with tenderness and, and reassuring encouragement, showing him his wounds. And yet, he is preparing them for what's next. He is preparing them to be witnesses. And in doing so, he says something rather remarkable in verse 21. He says this, As the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. And while we don't have time to plumb all the depth of that phrase, we should see this as much more than Jesus simply saying, hey, I was sent and so I'm sending you. No, there's, there's way more to it. Jesus is saying, like the Father sent me, I am sending you. Or in the same way that the Father sent me, I am sending you. So it begs the question. How did the Father send His Son? How did Jesus principally come to us? Well, technically and theologically, we call it the Incarnation. But what it really means is that Jesus came to be God, say it with me, with us. God with us. Philippians 2 tells us that Jesus, although He was very God, He was all God, and yet he didn't think that that was something he had to cling to, it says, but instead he gave up his status of God, took on our humanity, and came as a servant. John said it this way, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And Matthew tells us at the beginning that his name would be Emmanuel, God with us. And Jesus humbly came to be with us to join us in our humanity, to identify with us in our sufferings. And at the beginning of the section of Philippians 2, where Paul tells this beautiful story of incarnation, he says this to us. We should have the same attitude, the same approach as Jesus, to humbly come and incarnate with others, to come to be with them. So to be an effective witness requires witness. 
<laughs> W-T-H-N-E-S-S. To be an effective witness requires witness. I mentioned earlier that our mission at Peoria Rescue Ministries was to create pathways out of poverty through Jesus with our neighbors in need. That is a very intentional word. We realize that it is not something we can do to someone. We can't do even something for someone. We have to do it with them. To be an effective witness requires witness. Just as Jesus was sent to be God with us, not to serve, to be served, but to serve others and give his life as a ransom for many, so we in humility must be with our neighbors in need. Spending time with them. Hanging out with them. Eating meals together with them. Sharing life together with them. That's how they will see the light. In fact, it will be as we, in our broken jars of clay, let the light escape. That's how they will see the light of Jesus when we are with them. Now, last week, many of you came to our men's and women's facilities, and you did just that. You might have thought you had come to serve chili and, and feed the homeless, but what you really did was to come to be with your neighbors and need, and you did that through a meal. And that is how it happens. That's how we can effectively witness is withness. Now, this kind of witness, this withness, can't happen unless, like Jesus, we are filled with the Holy Spirit. All of the sending passages emphasize the Holy Spirit's agency and power to enable us to be witnesses. And, and here's the deal. On our own, we would never choose to be withnesses, <laughs> right? We would not choose witness. It's messy. It's heartbreaking at times. And as the disciples realized, building the kingdom is not as fun as the blessings of the kingdom. But we are called to be witnesses. It's not optional. We will have all eternity to enjoy the blessings of God and His kingdom. But to here and now, we are to be about building the kingdom as His witnesses as we do witness with others. Now at Peoria Rescue Ministries, I'll share just a few ways that that can happen. Just a few opportunities that we have designed to be in, uh, incarnational, meaning to be with and also invitational. Um, we have a couple of those. I don't know if they'll pop up on the screen, but uh, we have a couple of church opportunities. Uh, we are just launching here in November our first ever street outreach ministry. For all of our history, we have invited everybody to come. But with the changing landscape of more unsheltered homelessness and the panhandling that you see, we know we need to go out. We need to go be with those who are not uh, coming in. And we need to just hang out with them and then invite them to see this light. A second opportunity for Great Oaks as a church, talked to uh, Chase about this earlier, 
Nave is our share chapel. Man, I would really encourage you to come and be a part of what we call Share Chapel. Share Chapel is where we want to have an authentic worship experience, bringing in a worship team and preaching God's Word, but then bringing in dessert to share fellowship together. So it's a witness opportunity. We also have a couple of other personal opportunities where you can be with. I know one one member here, Carl, has been a witness uh, in our ministry for a long time. He's been an ally of our students coming alongside and just doing life together and hanging out. We also can do that in our work readiness area. So those are opportunities that are available. What I'd really like to do regarding Peoria Rescue Ministry is invite you to Hope Rising. Hope Rising is coming up November 6th. It's at uh, Bethany Baptist Church. It is a fun night. We do a taste of Peoria with local restaurants, and so there's great food, great fellowship, but you get to hear about what's happening at Peoria Rescue Ministries. And this year, this year we have an incredibly special announcement that we are going to be making at Hope Rising. And I, I can hardly wait, so I, I think I'm just going to go ahead and share it with you tonight, today. No, I'm not. No, I'm not. <laughs> I know, you thought it was, but I'm not. You have to come, come to to Hope Rising and hear what we are really, really excited about what's next. And it's not just a project. There is something important that we're going to share that night. Now, again, I said I don't want this to be all about PRM. Because God may be calling you to be a witness in many of the ministries that you guys are affiliated with and support. We love the work that Dream Center, Southside Mission, Southside Academy, and so many others do. Then you have global partners that you can be a part of. And so um, wherever God is calling you, there are so many needs and so many opportunities for us to be witnesses. But let's do it. Let's do it. In fact, I'm going to pray here, but uh, before we close, would you allow me to take the place of those two angels that came, and, and, and as you're sitting there, I just want to encourage you. What are you doing? Why are you still here? Let's go out there and be witnesses. Let's pray. Father, God, thank you for your word. Um, thank you for what it tells us that has happened. That the light of the world has come. The one we are waiting for to heal our brokenness, to shine light into our darkness. He has come to set us free. We have been singing about that this morning. We have been rejoicing in that. But let us go and share that with others. In however you are calling us to do that. So God, thank you for your goodness and grace in all things, but in especially that you came to be with us, to save us, so that we in turn can go and be your witnesses here and everywhere. And we thank you in the precious name of Jesus. Amen.